It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, all of our social media outlets, as well as uh, FinFanatic.com and the Fansided Network. We are four days away from the NFL draft with our final positional breakdown, and it's a big one here at the edge position because the Dolphins, this is not a need they necessarily filled in the offseason here, Paul. They traded Shaq Lawson to the Texans uh, and got Bernardrick McKinney in return. And then they loaded up on defensive tackles throughout the offseason. So, you know, the question really remains as we head into this draft where there's no real, you know, Jadavian Clowney or Miles Garrett type prospect here is, are they going to replace Shaq Lawson? Or are they going to play kind of a different style of defense where they don't necessarily need an edge player? I think they're probably counting on Vince Beagle and Andrew Van Ginkle to fill a lot of that edge pass rush uh, snap type role. Because we've got to remember, Vince Beagle, when they started utilizing him uh, two years ago, was a shock to, I think, all of us. Uh, Given the fact that he may not have put up the biggest sack numbers, but he put up insane pressure statistics and I know they were counting on that going into last season so they weren't counting on Van Ginkle for edge pressure last season as much as they were counting on uh, Beagle. Beagle gets hurt Van Ginkle starts coming in and stealing snaps from Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson um, coming off the edge so having the two of them in that pass rush role and the fact that Miami has that positionless defense I don't think they're going to put as heavy of a premium on it as we might but it's possible Hey Dolphins fans, this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. We start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then we blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, we've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. We are offering up to 15% off when you use code MINUTE15 at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. Follow on social media at the Danette May and at earthechofoods. Yeah, I mean, Vince Beagle was good value getting back for one year, what, under a million, getting kind of a bounce back type season. I, I think he's a bonus at this point, given and that for getting been- rid of. For getting rid of Kiko Alonso alone, it was worth it. Oh, that's true. That's that's already value on that. But yeah, he he was. It's a shame he got hurt when he did because he he was turning into a good player. And then Van Ginkle came in and probably played even better than he did. So, you know, I don't think that the Dolphins traded Shaq Lawson just to turn around and try to get another Shaq Lawson. I no. think they're trying to do something different, uh, filling his spot. And it may factor into the players we're going to talk about. It may not. 
I think another player that may enter the conversation at 18 is Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama, because he played defensive end at a 3-4. And he was Raekwon McMillan, or excuse me, Raekwon Davis's teammate at Alabama. And, you know, it kind of fits that same mold that Brian Flores is looking for. But we're not going to talk about him today. We talked about him in the defensive tackle segment. Uh, you know, when I look at this class, it is one of the more interesting positional groups that I've seen in a long time because you you don't have a top 15 prospect in this draft. I mean, someone may go top 15, but you don't have a clear-cut top 15 guy. But you may see nine or 10 players drafted between pick 16 and the end of the second round. It's highly possible. And then it, it pass rush is such a weird thing because depending on the flavor of your defense and what you want to do, it's kind of like defensive tackle for me where there are always a couple of guys that are sitting out there towards the end of the draft or even the undrafteds that if you're looking for a specific role, you can really do a lot of fun things in the back half of the draft with with, with positions like edge and defensive tackle, um, especially if you've got a heavy rotation and you've got specific roles for people. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take a look at the class here. And one thing I keep telling myself, too, with when looking at who might be a good fit for the Dolphins is the – overwhelming theme with the Dolphins at edge, just like it was with the Patriots defenses, a saying that I don't know where I heard it from. I think I've heard it several times is the worst place for a defensive end to be is behind the quarterback in this type of defense. And that if you're if you have a defensive end rushing around the edge, like that wide nine that the Dolphins had for so long with Robert Quinn, with Cameron Wake in this type of defense, that doesn't fly. I, it, don't get me wrong, Cameron Wake was a phenomenal player, but this defense calls for a different type of pass rush. You need to be able to go through the offensive tackle, win on the inside, and beat people up uh, up front uh, for the opposing offensive line. So that that's going to be a big thing here. And, you know, if they get an outside speed edge rusher, like a few of these guys in this draft ball, it may be a symbol that, they're looking to do something a little bit different with this defense too, if that makes sense. It does. And I'm going to differ slightly as far as my thoughts there. Um, I think Cam Wake and the way he played can fit in this defense because he didn't round out his rush routes very often. He went about as deep as the quarterback, which is about as far deep as you can go in this defense. Um, and kind of rode the tackle in. If you're one of those guys that rounds it off, yeah, you can't do that. But if you're coming here, and I know this makes this makes no sense in the air, but I think you guys kind of grasp what I'm saying, you can get away with that in this defense, but it's those guys that are rounding it off and coming back in from behind almost that it just doesn't fly very often. And we yeah, saw that, a lot that, of that with Shaq Lawson last year. That, uh, well, yeah. See, Lawson, I didn't think really pressured from anywhere. I mean... But well, when he, when he had his chance, it, it was usually rounding way the hell off and coming back. And and, and just I just want to apologize to our audience here because blasphemy talking about Cam Wake be, in that way. 
Uh, he's not somebody that would just, you know, run this banana cut to the outs and and circle back to the quarterback. No, he he was able to really. I mean, his specialty was pushing the edge and staying parallel with the quarterback and getting that pressure. Absolutely, Robert Quinn was more the one that would want to loop all the way around and, yes. and then get the quarterback on the backside, and that's what didn't work. It's what doesn't work in this defense. So, Paul. I mean, we know who your guy is, and it's Boogie Basham. Oh, yes. So on this list here, you know, I'll just throw it to you first because I know you want to talk about him. Um, where does he rank among this group of edge players for you? For As a fit for the Dolphins, I'd go with fourth. Okay, okay. Uh, Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau, and Jason Owe, I have ahead of him um, as far as that goes. Got it. I'm really close with Basham between four and five. And it, because really I've got two defensive ends who are clearly above the others. And really in this class here, two defensive ends who I think are solid first-round picks. Number one is Jalen Phillips. I have him far above everybody else. Look, I understand he has the concussion history, and it's important that medically he gets cleared. You know, because if not, all this is a moot point. But when I look at him, I see a star player at the defensive end spot. He's somebody that has incredible body control, is able to win on the outside the offensive tackle as well as getting back to the inside. He's physical. He's an unbelievable athlete. He was the number one high school re- recruit in 2017 for the her- for uh, UCLA before transferring to uh, Miami after having the concussion problems. And you look at the last four games in Miami, he was dominant. I mean, six sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss in the last four games. And in the, the post-draft process here, I mean, you look at the measurables, you know, runs a four, five, six, 36 vert, uh, incredible numbers really across the board showed he looked the part. So I really think that if the concussion issues don't come back, you've got a star player here. And that's why I've got him ninth on my, on my overall Dolphins board. And, you know, I think we've both got Jalen Phillips in a decent spot on our overall Dolphins board. I wouldn't be upset with him at 18. He's not necessarily my target. Um, but, yeah, no, like it's Jason Owe, just that ridiculous speed coming off the edge and, and, and what I think he can do there. For some reason, Penn State at, at, at the edge and off-ball linebacker and pass rushers, God, they should have had 107 sacks last year from what I, from what these guys could do. Um, you know, but it, it, it's – uh, I, I do like Quiddy Pay, but I just don't feel like he's a fit for the Dolphins, no matter how many beat writers try to mock him to us. Um, Aziz Ojolari, I, I see holes in his game that scare me for that as, as high as you'd have to grab him. And then, you know, Boogie Basham, just the special things that he does and the explosion and violence he does them with, you know, it, it's if you have not seen him play the read option, I urge you to go out and watch it. It's the the read option right now is what everybody's trying to do in football and with these mobile quarterbacks you're seeing it more and more and he does not take himself out of the equation very often and that that's something I like and he gets to the passer with violence when they drop back to throw it so and he's got the speed to make it up so again he's a guy that I love yeah Basham would be further down on my list 
if not for the senior bowl week, because I feel like he uh, at Wake Forest tried to run around offensive tackles way too often, where at senior bowl week, he actually played through the offensive tackle and tried to show that he had that power because he's always had that power. But when you when you've always been as talented as Carlos Basham has been, you're able that works in college because you're bigger and you're faster than most of the people you face. But when he goes down to senior bowl week and he's able to really be physical, it shows that he can take the coaching quickly adapt to the situation. So that very much impressed me. So I've got, I've got, I'm going to jump in real quick on that before you move to your next player, because I hated it. And the reason I hated it is I was yelling, stop it at my TV and at my freaking computer screen, because I didn't want to like, this is what I hate. Last year, I had my almost ideal draft already mapped out for this year with like, all right, in the fifth round, we're going to grab Richie Grant. In the fourth round, we're going to grab Boogie Basham, and it's going to be hilarious. We're going to have the freaking draft of the century. And then they're all moving up here into this bottom end of the first, beginning of the second round, and I freaking hate it. <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, I mean, yeah, he didn't have as great of a 2020 as he did 2019, but still – it's, it was an impressive year, and I, I think he would have gone higher had he come out last year in the 2020 draft. So Jalen Phillips for me is number one. Aziz Ojolari is number two, but with an asterisk in that he's 6'2", 249 pounds, but he plays much bigger than that. He plays with heavy hands. He has great pass rush moves, unlike a lot of these other players in, uh, in this draft at edge other than Jalen Phillips. My thing with him, though, is, is is he going to fit this defense in that? Because Brian Flores and Josh Boyer asked the edge players to do a lot of different things. You can't just be a 6'2", 249-pound edge rusher and be playing with your hand on the ground. You have to be able to do a lot of different things. One comparison I've seen with Ojolari is a Joey Porter, and that makes a lot of sense because of how violently he can come off the edge and play with such power and convert that speed to power for his size. So I... I would be intrigued if the Dolphins picked him at 18. And he's been mocked by – he's I'd say the consensus mock pick right there for the Dolphins at number 18. But I'm not quite sure if he fits this defense. Yeah, I I, I don't feel he does. And I, I, I guess I'm going to use your word. I'd be intrigued as well. Um, it's one guy that I do like a little bit um, moving into round two or three would be Joe Tryon out of Washington. Um, he is not the fastest player on the field. We saw way too many four threes this year that have me a little bit skeptical. Uh, but he's a guy that's been on that watch list as far as a pass rusher goes for, what, two, three years now? Um, and, and really, to see him ranked as low as he is on a lot of these boards behind guys like Asai, who I like, is surprising to me. And I think he might be there a little bit later based on all these guys in front of him. I really like Joe Tryon too, and this this may be a hot take. You can uh, you can take it for what it is. I have him over Quiddy Pay, and the reason for it is because of how physical he is at the point of attack. He is a, I mean he he is sculpted from head to toe. He can take on the offensive tackles at the point of attack, and. Uh, Kind of my problem with him a little bit, though, is he takes on those offensive tackles right at the point of attack, and then he tries to get around them. And I don't think that's something that's going to work at the NFL level. So he, he's got to 
he's got to figure out a different pass pass rush plan to be even more effective. But I do like him more than Quiddy Pay. I like him more than Joseph Asai. And the reason for it is that to me, Quiddy Pay and Asai in the NFL are going to have to win strictly on the outside. They're going to have to line up wide and they're going to have to beat the offensive tackle with their speed. And again, not something I think fits this defense. A lot of people will say with Quiddy Pay, no, he can stop the run. No, he can move inside and pressure that way. And, and he can hold his own there. Yeah, he can for being 6'2", 260. But can he do it well on the inside? Can he stunt in well on the edge? I don't think he can, Quiddy Pay. So that's why I've got him much, much lower than, than some of these other uh, defense events here. Joseph Vasai. The comparison I made with him is Tack McKinley, uh, the guy that was on stage <laughs> and uh, broke all the uh, FCC rules uh, by basically. It's my grandma. Yeah, it's yeah, my grandma. Yeah, followed by three F words. I love my, I love my grandma. In other words, I can't say out here. He my had grandma. 15, he, had ah. 15, he had 15 seconds uh, on on ESPN, and he cursed more than everybody for 20 years combined on ESPN. Dude, it was worse yeah. than Eddie Murphy Raw watching him. Ex- <laughs> But the reason I make that comparison is because I see him winning beautifully to the outside with speed rush, and he's got nothing else. It's speed rush with effort. Speed rush with effort. That's it. And I don't think that's going to work in the NFL level. I see him more as a third-round pick. So that's why I've got pay, and I've got um, I've got Osai rated below most of the people in this class. I'd take Osai before I'd take pay. Uh, but... Ooh. It's pay. I just i I can't in good conscience put him anywhere on my board because he's just not a fit for Miami. I think he might have a good career somewhere, but I just don't think he's a fit. I think he has to play in primarily a four three defense, pin his ears back, and get to the quarterback. That that's what I think he needs to do here. You know, it's and even at Michigan, he never took over football games. You know, he's not somebody I saw as a dominant player. And he played a lot of football in Michigan. And I was always I, – I, I saw I saw the twitchiness everybody else sees. I saw the athleticism. But 18 would be far, far too rich. But it shows how deep this defensive end class is when I would be okay with him in the second round because I do think he's a good football player. But probably late in the second round, in which it, at that point it's kind of pointless to even talk about because he's going to be far gone by that point. Yeah. Now, another guy I think is very raw but could still produce early is Jordan Smith out of Auburn. Um, and UAB? My notes, what's that? UAB? Yes, UAB. It's uh, in my notes here. Let me pop this open for a second. I got too many windows open, guys. I apologize. He's tall, he's lean, he's a bendy pass rusher. He's got good speed off the edge, and he's got some moves to get inside or outside there. And and really, he pushes the tackle back while rounding, which we talked about a little bit before. And that's something I really like here. I like uh, Jordan Smith, too. He was on my list to talk about, and you you said it very well. And he's, he's gained more weight throughout his college career. And he's been more and more productive, too. He looks the part. There's no doubt about that. I like him more than some of the other outside edge rushers like um, like Chris Rump from Duke, who, I, who is way, way too small to play in this scheme. 6'3", 225, 230 in that area. 
he's got to he's got to go to a team where it's the right fit and it's not Miami. And um, ooh, there's another outside. Oh, uh, um, um, Quincy Roche from Miami. He has been an unbelievably productive college football player. He is uh, for his career. He he's. He spent three years at Temple, transferred to Miami, has over 30 career sacks in the NCAA, but at 6'3", 240 pounds, not all that fast, not good against the run at all because he can't really hold up. He's somebody that's out for me. So so no to Chris Rumpf, no to uh, Quincy Roche at, at the defensive end spot. But um, yes to Charles Snowden. Let's, let's, let's go to UVA. And, yeah, you know, and- S- Snowden is – is one guy in here that's really uh yeah that that line that really tall thin fast defensive end linebacker tweener i i do like him too i i think he could i think you could do some creative things with him let's say he he, he plays with an explosion he's got great closing speed he plays the run well and, and he he basically identifies and attacks you don't see that hesitation in his game but you do see the patience at times which actually allows him to do more things but to do them effectively yeah uh peyton turner from houston if you're looking really looking for a shack loss and replacement this is the guy because he is a giant powerful defensive end and he also for his size 6'6 270 he's not as lumbering as you would think you know, he he's somebody that can several times on tape I saw just take the tackle and forklift him back to the quarterback. And that's something that it was Shaq Lawson's role, and he did a pretty good job of it against the left tackle, but I think Peyton Turner could be even better at it. He's somebody too, kind of like what you said about Basham, where when he was thought of as maybe a third or fourth round pick, that's where you wanted him to stay, so it would be good value. Same thing for me with Peyton Turner. Now it looks like he's a solid second-round guy, and that's about where I think he should go. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like him. One guy I'm going to talk about real quick, and and I'm just going to say Jonathan Cooper I think is very underrated and might be a steal, but Hamilcar Rashad, who had a fantastic 2019 rushing the passer and had an abysmal 2020, um, he runs a 4.58. He rushes with power and speed and effectiveness. And he just had a miserable year this year. So he's somebody that is going to be coming out with a chip on his shoulder. Hopefully, Flores got a chance to see if there's anything there during practices for the Senior Bowl this, this year. Um, sounds like he had some rough time with, with not feeling well. I don't know exactly what happened, but he might be somebody that's there in the fifth or sixth round that Miami could sneak in and steal that even if you're going to just use him situationally on the edge, can come in and do some fun things with low expectation and, and, and like I said before, a huge amount to prove here. You know, he had a terrible last year with Oregon State. He, he did. He basically came back to school. and It was almost like I, I watched him in a few games because I was really excited. And it was almost like he didn't try. You know, I, I didn't quite get it with him. One thing I do like about him, though, uh, as far as his traits are concerned, I think he's better as an off-ball linebacker almost completely um, mm-hmm. because he can move well in space, and I like that about him. So, yeah, if you're talking fifth, sixth round, hope hope he can regain some of that that he had in in, uh, in 2019, then I think that's certainly worth the risk. But 
for our uh, person in chat that mentioned Jonathan Cooper. Absolutely. Jonathan Cooper is among a group of several of those defensive ends who were kind of those not so much D tackle DN tweeners, but more of those stay at home uh, defensive ends, kind of like Derek Shelby, Kenny Mixon from the past who, who were able to be that stay at home defensive end. Uh, I think Chauncey Goldston from uh, Iowa also fits that Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame is somebody I'm really high on. I think every time you watch him, he's quick, he's instinctive there between the tackle and guard. And I think that's going to appeal to Josh Boyer and to Brian Flores too. Um, and uh, Victor uh, from uh, from Duke. I think it's Dimukeji. Dimukeji, thank you. He, uh, uh, he, he fits that mold too. Cameron Sample from Tulane was a monster during Senior Bowl week. And he's he's really high on my list too. Dalen Hayes and Sample are two players that if the Dolphins don't satisfy the edge in the first two rounds, you get down to the third round. I, I would consider Dalen Hayes and Cameron Sample there at that spot because I think they could really get on the field for a lot of snaps. Now, when Miami gets to the seventh round, um, there is a possibility that Shaka Tony out of Penn State is going to be on the board, believe it or not. And you want to talk about some tremendous value and upside. Shaka Tony was so much like he's one of those guys. We've talked about it in other positional previews, um, but he's one of those guys that just feels like he slipped through the cracks and and you can't quite figure out why he's ranked as low as he is on so many boards out there. Because, yes, is he a little bit undersized for this defense? Absolutely. But he just has a knack for getting into the backfield. He's got 4-5-1 speed, I believe it was. Um, And really, he plays clean and just flies under the radar. So he's another guy that I would really love Miami to take a shot at if he's there. Yeah, he, he flies off the edge. I don't know if he'd fit in the defense, but if you get to the fifth, sixth, seventh round, that's a different story. I mean, you're, you're taking flyers at that point. Um, Janarius Robinson and Josh Kando from Florida State. These Florida State guys, I tell you what, it, it seems like every year they've got four or five guys who are just absolute monsters at their position. And then I look at the screen and they're four and seven. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. It's, and, and they fit that same mold here. I mean, uh, Janarius Robinson can set that hard edge six, five, two sixty five. somehow runs a four, seven doesn't play like that on tape, but he's a big, powerful defensive end. So you've got so many players uh, in, in this draft that, that are worth taking a risk on. And another guy who's also one of my favorites here too, Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa. I mean, he wasn't as productive as you would think at Northern Iowa, but you, you watch him move and you watch him work. And he's, he sh- you would think he's going to be a lumbering dude at, at his size, you know, 6'5". Uh, gosh, what is he here? Uh, uh, excuse me, um, 6'6", 252 pounds. You would think he'd be a lumbering guy who can't move. He moves unbelievably smooth at the defensive end spot. Long arms, uses those hands well, but needs to be a lot more refined there on the edge uh, as we go. But he, he went to Northern Iowa, so you're expecting him to be a little bit of a project. If he's there in the fifth round, that's somebody I would really, really like there. I think he I think people are sleeping on him, him a little bit. If 
and every time you said one of these deep cuts, I'm like, don't take my guys. Don't take my guys. Uh, one of which I think you, I, I'm surprised you didn't. One of which I, I would have been shocked if you did. Um, the first one is going a little bit far down in the competition level, but Taron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina. The more his tape I watched, what I've got here, great moves, great size, great effort. Love him. And he's yes, he's a little bit developmental, but I don't think as developmental as people would think. I, it, it's I'd be interested to see him at a higher level of competition. Um, and then we're gonna go to Seafoam Stadium in St. Paul, Minnesota, to the Concordia State or Concordia St. Paul Golden Bears, which I I'd have to look. I didn't look this up, and I apologize. I don't know if they've ever had a player go to the NFL. If you go to their college website, it looks like an advertisement for a kid's basketball camp. Um, it's just, you know, their little teeny stadium is the pride and joy of just about every sport they have. And, you know, it's, but if you watch Chris Garrett, he is ridiculously raw. Um, he runs a 48840, and, and, he plays faster than that. He plays with a high motor. Every play you see the effort. He's got a lot of moves, um, and the tools are there. He he definitely needs some development, but if you've got a guy that you can move around in this positionless defense, have him grasp that. He's one of those guys that could come from all over the place and possibly do so effectively and, and have the moves and tool set to do so effectively early that he could be a lot of fun in this defense, and you can probably steal him undrafted if you let him slide or possibly even with that last seventh-round pick if you still have it come day three. And they did have a player drafted um, in 2014 in the sixth round to the New England Patriots. His name was Zach Moore, who was also a defensive end. So they, they, and they've had some undrafted free agents on other teams too. So you always learn something new here on this show. I have to keep an eye on Seafoam Stadium in St. Paul, Minnesota, and the Concordia St. Paul Golden Bears more often. Then, yeah, uh, nah, your footage probably, looks like nah, a you, stuff film. You probably, you probably don't. Yeah, they, they don't even have a scoreboard. Uh, <laughs> they just hold they, up cards. Yeah, they just play for effort. Uh, gosh, there's so many guys we've talked that just to run through here. I mean, and we've run through a lot of them. Uh, whether you call him a D end or a defensive tackle. Uh, Deo Edingbo from uh, uh, Vanderbilt is somebody that may have been a second round pick. For, he is unbelievably twitched up for his size. Vanderbilt moved him all over their front. They used him at DN. They used him at stand up linebacker. They used him at nose tackle even. And he was looking like a really good prospect. Unfortunately, got hurt at the end of the year. Season ending injury may fall into next year too. So if he's there on day three, I think he's going to be an interesting developmental project for somebody. He's a fantastic athlete. So who haven't we talked about here? Um, Ronnie um, I got one we haven't talked no, no, about. No, go ahead. Chauncey Golston out of Iowa. Now, this is going to I'm, – I'm going to say I had a little bit of prejudice here, even though I do like the tape on him. I struggle looking at an edge rusher with the last name Golston. It, it's – Having watched Vernon Golston and just feeling disgusted watching his play, not just in college but at the pro level, it's very hard for me to see a, a pass rusher named Golston and, and and not just immediately go, ew, just ew. 
and, and, and it's, it's different spelling play. though different spelling it so. doesn't matter it's it's still a Golston and you still go Gleh. but it's if you put that aside he is a far better edge player than what we saw from 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 that first rounder years ago of the Jets um, it was just ridiculously bad uh, I mean just always a disappointment and he's gonna be there in probably the fourth fifth round um, and he's somebody that I think is going to turn some heads. He's got decent speed. He's got power and size. And, and I think he put up 22, 23 reps on the bench. Um, so he's going to be able to do some things off the edge, and he's got good size. And if the Dolphins manufacture, you know, make a trade and, and get themselves another fifth, sixth, seventh round pick here, I mean, there's going to be so much talent here at the end of the draft, which you can't, you really can't say for a lot of other positions here. Um, so a couple of, so really who I'm just out on both of the Pittsburgh defensive ends. I'm not a fan of, they went to senior bowl week. They were terrible. Rashad Weaver. I watched two games of him on tape. I was, I turned it off. I was not impressed. I mean, to be, he's a complete finesse defensive end who put up some good numbers by, smacking around very bad college offensive tackles. I don't see anything in his game that translates. I don't think he has many pass rush moves, doesn't do well against the run. I'm out on him. And Patrick Jones, I I liked at the beginning because I thought he was bigger than what he actually is. He's 6'4", 260. Bad at the senior bowl, too. He couldn't turn the corner to save his life. So Bad at football, you know, the, just those two little things. He's pretty, he was productive, but yeah, he's not he's not gonna be a good a good NFL prospect. So out on those two guys. Um you know, Ronnie Perkins is a fascinating player to watch because he looks like if you watch him rush off the edge, he you know, he's got that uh you know, he wears that number seven and and, and he looks like he's a cornerback blitzing off the edge. But he's also unbelievably strong. Too for his for his build, but you know he's somebody that I think again has to win to the outside. I think he's more of a three four pure outside linebacker. I think he would do well in like the Pittsburgh Steelers scheme, but not necessarily here for the Dolphins. So yeah, a lot of players here. But just to go back to the top, Paul, I you know where I where I would have to rank them if I had to go like say one through nine because that's really how you have to do them. Here is Jalen Phillips one. Aziz Ojolari two, Jason Owe is three for me because I think schematically he is the best fit in this defense. Didn't get a sack last year, but he did create a lot of pressure and is an unbelievable athlete and just started playing football when he was 16. So he's number three for me. Then I've got Boogie Basham at four. I've got Gregory Rousseau at five. Um, Pey- uh, Joe Tryon at six, Peyton Turner at seven. Quitty pay at eight, and that's when things start to uh, to thin out a little bit. So I'd say I've got Jalen Phillips at one, um, Jason Oa at two, and you know what? I've changed my rankings a little bit while we've been sitting here. I'm going to put Boogie three for me. Uh, I forget four. You better. We're going to put Boogie at three, and, and I'm going to piss off the U fans and, and take him to, take uh, Gregory Rousseau down to four. Which, God forbid, I have two you guys in the top four and I'm going to piss some people off, but uh, I'm okay with it. Um, Joe Tryon's probably five. Ojalari six. 
Um, I'm not putting Quiddy Pay on there. Uh, I am. I am standing on this hill, and I'll die here. Quiddy Pay is not a fit for the Dolphins. Sorry. I agree with you. I mean, I, I think stylistically he's not a fit. I understand why people are putting him at 18 because of the character. And, you know, he he was productive at, at Michigan, but he wasn't dominant. And, and I, I think Pay's a good player, but I've always had him as like a second-round pick. So in this type of draft, you, you have so many players here who they have a lot of pros and a lot of cons. I mean, Jalen Phillips has, I mean, it looks every bit the part, but has a concussion problem. Uh, Jason Owe is an, had just generational type of workout numbers, but didn't have a sack last year. You know, uh, uh, Aziz Ojolari looks like a phenomenal pass rusher on the outside, but it's only 6'2", 249. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, and a guy we really haven't delved into a lot here on this segment, you know, this is somebody that, was supposed to be, you know, here at the beginning of September before he opted out, was supposed to be a top five or top 10 pick. Then he has just slowly moved down, moved down, moved down as these other pass rushers have slowly moved up. And Rousseau had a terrible pro day. I mean, he's somebody that we're expecting to show up maybe a little bit heavier or stronger, didn't he? Showed up at 6'7, 266, 30 inch vert. Not a good broad jump, 7.53 cone, which is embarrassing if you're trying to be this uh, Javon Curse-like athlete at the defensive end spot. But he does have that length, and Brian Flores and Josh Boyer have done an amazing job with Emmanuel Ogba and Raekwon Davis, guys who can use that length to make up for that lack of speed and lack of, uh, and lack of explosiveness. Yeah, Car- Carlos Basham has a concussion problem too. He gives them, so yeah. I'll take him. He sure does. <laughs> Man, Sorry, I'm, I couldn't resist. I'm winded uh, after yeah. going through like 30 of these defensive ends here. Dude, but, I played I, I played a half hour of basketball with a nine year old one on two with the fiance before this. So, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about winded. And then we name off you know 407 defensive ends and outside linebacker and pass rushers. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I I went for a half a mile walk with a oh geez my wife and uh, the dogs. You're ten years younger than me too. And, oh, man. Ten years younger. I'm not ten years younger. <laughs> and my soul's twenty years older. So uh, I was gonna say you, you've you've been the grumpy old guy from the Muppets since you were born. Oh, uh, man. So, Paul, we've got uh, we've got uh, man. It's we're wrapping up draft season. Draft week. Draft week is coming up. We cannot be more excited. Could not be more excited for all of you to join us here, too. Um, Monday, we're going to have our big boards. Top 36 boards each. We're going to run through them pretty quickly. The reason top 36 is because we are guaranteed, barring a trade, to have at least three players available uh, in those first 36 picks. So we're going to go through them quickly uh, on there. And then Tuesday... We're going to have a dueling mock draft here, and we're going to cap that off too with um, with Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're going to be here. Thursday, we're going to be here through the entire first round, and Tuesday, we're going to – or excuse me, uh, Friday for the second and third round, we're all going to be here doing a live show too. We hope you can join us. Paul, any last words? Anything jump out from chat there? Um, No, I mean, Cam Wake spoiled us. He was a beast. 
Uh, Zach Sealer with the length. I mean, nah, man. It's it's. I think everybody seems pretty excited as far as this draft goes. Um, and, oh yeah, Radically Ceteris said we need Deacon Jones and his cast arm. About it. <laughs> I'll give you that, Radical. You know, Deacon Jones is somebody that if they weren't even keeping sacks, track of sacks back in the day, if they had, legend was he would have had like 25 a year. What a shame that they weren't keeping keeping track back then. So hopefully the Dolphins can get another Deacon Jones in this draft or another Cameron Wake, and that's going to do it for our breakdown of the edge position here on the fin side. I'm Brian Cat, NFL, Paulus Fanatic underscore pick. We also represent the uh, fan-sided network as well as finfanatic.com. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, all of our different social media outlets. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.